Let's ask God to speak to us. Jesus, we just wanna thank you for what you've done for us. God, we can only be here because you died on the cross for us, because you made a way. And this morning, we wanna hear from you. So we open up our hearts to you. If there's anything in our hearts that's hard, we thank you, God, that you can take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. So I pray that you would prepare our hearts right now for your word that would fall in good soil. If anyone is without hope in this place and they're not relationship with you, I pray, God, that you'd knock on the door of their heart this morning and draw them unto yourself. In Jesus' name. And everyone believe it's it? Amen. Amen. Awesome. So good to be in the house. And this is our Good Friday service. Um, listen, we are so excited for this weekend and it's a two-part experience. Today I'm gonna be speaking about what happened on the cross. And, and my title is Jesus' Blood. If you're writing it down, that's what I'm gonna be looking into this morning. Um, on Sunday, we're gonna be looking at the resurrection. So I encourage you to bring your world, invite your friends and, and make the most of it. And remember, people only say, uh, people's main reason for not coming to Easter services, they say, nobody invited me. And so people are way more open. So make the most of it today, tomorrow, just go invite your world. Uh, but we're excited, we're hosting 14 different services this weekend at Tableview, Malkbos and Camps Bay. So we are very excited just to make the most of the opportunity. And really just wanna honor our dream teamers serving uh, car park in the auditorium in production, worship, just everyone who's making it possible to actually do this together. And, and really, you make it possible for us, the church family, to come together. And at the end of the service, in the seat coming in front of you, I'm gonna ask you to fill this out. Um, for some of you, it's gonna be your first time. For some of you, you, you're making a recommitment or commitment to Jesus. For others, you might say, I'm taking a next step. So that'll be at the end of the service. Um, and, and it's really gonna allow us to serve you. And then if you want prayer, our prayer team will be praying for you so you can fill uh, that out. And then on Sunday night, we're ending our weekend with a, a night of worship, an encounter service. So join us for that. You can double dip um, on Sundays. But if you're taking notes, like I said, um, the heading is Jesus' blood. Now, of course, people who take notes have a better chance of getting to heaven. I don't know if you guys know that. But we actually can't verify that. But if you do get to heaven and they say, did you take notes? And you said, no, you know what I mean? You're gonna be in trouble, so take notes. Anyway. John 1 verse 20, uh, 29 says, the next day, John, of course, this is John the Baptist. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he was saying, I need you to see this. I need you to look directly at Jesus. You've been looking everywhere else and you even celebrate Passover. It's a foreshadowing of what God promised to do. You slayed a lamb and its blood would have been like a tablecloth over a stain. You would have put it, that tablecloth over, but it did not remove the stain. But this one, this lamb is the lamb of God. This is the great lamb, the great I am. It's Jesus Christ. And he is the one who will be slain for the sins of the world. And when his blood touches the stain, you won't need a tablecloth, you won't need a cover up. You won't even be reminded of what you've done. He will wash you white as snow. In Him, you'll be made righteous, and it would be as if you've never, ever sinned. You'd be justified. It's just if, as if I'd never sinned. His blood will change you. I don't know what you've been looking at. You've been looking at religion. You've been looking at just coming to church, and I encourage you to come to church. You've been looking at trying to do good deeds, and none of that will work, but this lamb that is gonna be slain, His blood will save you. 
His blood will change you. And He puts everyone's attention on Jesus. And today I want to do the same thing. See, we still have the same problem. You and I have a sin problem, but Jesus is the solution. You can rename sin and the world can tell us that this sin that used to be a sin 100 years ago or 40 years ago is no longer a sin. But here's the thing that doesn't change. The price for sin doesn't change. The payment that needs to be made and the effects of sin doesn't change. You can rename it. You can say it's not a sin, but the effects will be the same. Now, a few years ago, many years ago, asbestos was, was said to be the best product you could put in your house. Then they discovered that asbestos, if you, were, um, if you came into contact with it or lived in a house with it, the disease potentially would show up 10, 20, or even 40 years later. You wouldn't even see the effects. And all of a sudden, what was said to be good now was not good. Now, what we're doing in our, our world is we're saying what used to be bad is now good. And yes, I get it because Satan is pushing shame down our throats. He's actually always trying to rob us of our identity. And probably the only way to cope is to say it's not what it is. So he's saying, I can't cope with the shame anymore. I can't cope with not feeling in and, and, and feeling condemned. So I'm just gonna immediately call sin no longer sin. You can call it what you want to. But their effects are the same and the price is the same. You can legalize marijuana. It's still gonna mess with your head. <laughs> Even if it's legal or not, it still has the same effect. Just because they said it's legal doesn't mean now it's all of a sudden changed. You know what I mean? Like, well, no, now marijuana is good for you. Why? Well, it's legal. You know, like, you know what I mean? It's been bad for years and hurting many people and people have even gone mad of just smoking that stuff. But now it's legal, now it's fine. <laughs> now you're legally mad. Anyway, now you're know, like, now you're just legally stupid. <laughs> you legally lost your brain cells. Listen, I know I'm joking around, but God can restore you and make you as new. In Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. He can make you a new creation. And if you've ever struggled with stuff like that, God can actually do a restoration with right now. That's how good your God is. And He won't hold it against you. And when you're in Christ, it is as if you've never done it. That's the promise of Christ. It's as if you never sinned. But sin is still sin. And I'm not here to have an argument of where the category is. I'm here to point to the solution. I'm here to point to the fact that you and I are either in Adam, the first Adam, or what the Bible calls the second Adam. It's Christ, the man of God. The Bible actually puts us in two categories and it points out two men by focusing on the word one man. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin, so, so sin entered through one man. See, you and I don't become bad because we sin. We sin because we're born as sinners. That's it. It's actually in our bloodline. We come from the natural man, but then it goes to say for this in verse 17, for, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigns through that one man. So, so if death reigns through one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And so there's two men in this picture. We focus on one. And if you look at it, 
Paul's saying that you need to ask yourself of which bloodline you're of. Are you still of the bloodline of the first Adam? Or have you taken on the sacrifice of Christ and His blood? And when you take on His blood and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, it's like His blood's running through your veins. You, have a new, you are of a new bloodline. Yeah, there's a contrast here. The first Adam was made on earth. The last Adam came from heaven. Of course, the second Adam, and that's Christ. The first Adam was the, the king of the old creation. Well, the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus, our king, was the priest over new creation. The first Adam was tested in the perfect garden of Eden and disobeyed God. The, the last Adam, who is Christ, was tested in a terrible wilderness for 40 days of prayer and fasting. And then in the garden of Gethsemane, he surrendered his will to God. And in the desert, he obeyed God. The disobedience of the first Adam brought sin, condemnation, and death. But the obedience of Jesus, the second Adam, brought righteousness, salvation, and life to all who will believe. To the first Adam, death and sin reigned in this world, but through the last Adam, grace reigns. So which Adam are you in? So I'm gonna give you seven points about the blood of Jesus. Because you even have, you either have that blood or you have Christ's blood on your life. So number one, the blood of Jesus forgives. That's the first truth I want you to be aware of, of the blood of Jesus that was poured out on the cross, on the Good Friday, on Good Friday on the cross. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Now I wrote you in brackets, not through our behavior. Not through what you do. The gospel isn't wrote do, the gospel is spelled done because of what Christ has done. And that's why we have to remember that we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Romans 5 verse 9 says, Sin, since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? His blood justifies us. What does that mean? Well, when we receive His blood, His forgiveness, we accept the blood sacrifice of Jesus, it's just as if I'd never sinned. It would be like a legal proceeding where you come and you've got sin, and then Jesus comes in and pays for your sin, but makes as if you've never done it. You'd be standing there saying, how does this happen? Well, it's because Jesus made you right. He stood in the gap and when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin or your life. He actually sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' sacrifice. He sees Jesus' pure life. And when He sees you, He doesn't see your past. He doesn't identify with you based on your sin. He identifies with you based on you being a son or a daughter because He sees His son. You're part of His family. You're justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned when I received His blood sacrifice. Once we were wrongdoers, we were sinners, but we placed our faith in Christ and then God declares us righteous. We've been made right through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus shed His blood and you and I have to make it our own. We have to make that sacrifice our own. We, we have to say that payment that Jesus paid on the cross is our payment. 
We're not gonna try to come with our own one. Look what I did for you, God, and look where I grew up, and, and I just wanna justify, it's the family I grew up in. And, and remember, I grew up in a time where they didn't call that sin. <laughs> You know, you can't come trying to, you have to bring Jesus' sacrifice as if it's your own. This is my sacrifice. So you're saying I can't do anything. No, you can't do anything to earn salvation, but you can receive it. Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, but you're the Savior. I need your sacrifice, your blood payment. Jesus says you can have it. I thank you. God, here's my sacrifice, here's my payment. And it's been paid in full by Jesus. And you and I come before God because of what Jesus has done. We make a verbal commitment. We, we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you confess your mouth that He's the Son of God, believe in your heart, then you'll be saved. It's a verbal commitment that He's your Lord and Savior. And then you say, and it's just as if you've never sinned. You wash white as snow. Number two, the blood of Jesus heals. 1 Peter 2 verse 24, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. I don't know if you've ever had a part of your body not get blood to it. Maybe you tied something tight around your arm or around your finger or around your, your leg. My daughter was playing with this piece of string and she was just tying it. We were driving back from Somerset West. She had a swimming um, gala and she just shouted, Dad, Mom, my finger's changing color. Now, since Somerset West, we didn't realize we got into, we actually drove in past the church. She had tied this thing pretty tight, playing with it. And then she couldn't get it off. So we had to stop and I had to try to get like a key under it. We had to break it off. But if we left it, there's no blood going there. There's no life there. What actually loses blood, loses life. If you can let the blood of Jesus get into every area of your life, you can have life. If you can let the blood of Jesus get into your life, you can have eternal life. Where the blood goes, there is life. Jesus' blood heals our bodies. Number three, the blood of Jesus purifies 1 John 1 verse 7, the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 9 verse 14, I love this, says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the, the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death? How much more? Well, how much more than what? Well, how much more than animal sacrifices they used to make in the Old Testament? How much more than just religious acts? How much more than just rituals? All these things lead to death. Just coming to church, trying to tick the box, being religious, trying to make sacrifices. That's why it says obedience is better than sacrifice in the Bible. Yes, yeah, ain't wrong sacrifices, but is it in the obedience of, to, is it in honor of God? None of these things, they all lead to death. How much more will the blood of Christ save you? How much more, how much further? See, the blood of Christ goes further than any ritual, any religion experience. What about, I mean by that is religion is doing spiritual things, like, well, not spiritual, religion is doing, is doing religious things without a relationship. 
It's actually, it's a, it's a rabbit's foot. If I do these things, I'll be fine. No, no, it's in Christ that you're saved. It's by His blood that you're saved. That's the only thing that makes us right. Number four, the blood of Jesus is precious and powerful. Jesus shed His blood and the blood, um, so Jesus sheds His blood and, and the blood in His body is so precious, all people can be saved. His blood is more precious than any other blood. His blood is of the greatest value. I reckon the worst thing Satan did was let the blood of Jesus touch the ground. Because we see the first man who gets killed, God holds the brother who kills his brother accountable. He says, your brother's blood will cry out from the land. If a man's blood can cry out, how much more will the son of God's blood cry out when it touches the land? It'll cry out salvation. It'll cry out victory. But his blood is precious. Just the blood in his body is enough to pay the price for everyone's sins. Just the blood in Christ's body that was shed on that, on that cross. That's how precious it is. Peter even says it like this in 1 Peter 1 verse 18. It says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold. That's pretty valuable, perishable things. It wasn't perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from, um, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world. Have you forgotten how precious the blood of Jesus, Jesus is? You know, when you understand what's precious, like what's important, for instance, when you don't have health, you understand how precious health is. Anyone? If you are a Man United supporter, you understand how precious a good manager is right now. Like, you know what I mean? You have years and years of turmoil. If you're a Liverpool supporter, you understand how precious a big trophy cabinet is. We need more space. No, 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 joking. No. Um, <laughs> Listen, we live in a country where people don't have food. Those people understand how precious food is. When you understand what sin actually does to you, you'll understand how precious the blood of Jesus is. And it's only when you have that lack and when you get that understanding that it becomes precious. The blood of Jesus is the most precious thing on this planet. It can save the whole world. Acts 2 verse 28, be shepherds of the church of God. Why? When he bought it with his own blood. That's how precious the church is to him. So I always tell people, don't badmouth the church. It's Christ's bride. Yeah, but that, I, I don't want to hear about it. Christ, it's his bride, he can take care of his church. He bought it with his blood. We honor his church across, and we pray for all the churches in this area, in our city, in our country. It's Christ's bride. He paid for it with his blood. Number five, the blood of Jesus gives us peace with God. The blood of Jesus gives us peace with God. No longer we're at war with God. We're at peace with God because of the blood. Come on, anyone have an argument with their spouse? And instead of now winning the argument, you're just trying to find a way to make peace. Like, you know, the peace be, anyone? 
Anyone learned the lesson that even if you win the argument, doesn't mean you're gonna get peace. You're like, I won, awesome. You stupid, you lost, bro. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but everyone's looking for peace. I believe it's one of the greatest gifts we've ever received, peace with God. Come on, you know it in your marriage. Peace in your marriage is one of the best gifts. It's not accumulating more stuff. Peace goes way further. You'll accumulate something, have a fight with your spouse and be willing to give that up just for peace. Well, Jesus through His blood makes peace with you and God. You're not distanced, you're not disconnected. There's no hostility. God is for you. He's not against you. Isaiah 59 verse two says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that you, He will not hear. And this is in the Old Testament. But through the blood of Jesus, you've been brought close to God. You're no longer separated. Colossians 1 verse 20 says, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. It's His blood that brings peace. If you're not sensing any peace in your life, I think it's because you don't have the blood of Jesus in your life. Or maybe you've forgotten how precious it is. You forgot to go, your blood. You know, if you are about to go into a business meeting or you're feeling sick, you know what I encourage you to do? Break bread in your house. Get some, just break your bread, get some grape juice. Your body was broken for me. By your stripes, I'm healed. Your blood brings me peace. I'm justified by your blood. I'm forgiven because of your blood. I'm healed because of your blood. Thank you, Jesus. You go out to your day. You know, sometimes I've been sick and I'll break bread, breakfast, lunch, and supper. You can do it anywhere. You, you know, um, on, um, and, and what's his name again? Let me try to see it over here, but Buzz, Buzz Aldrin, of course, one of the first men to go to the moon with walk on the moon with Neil Armstrong. Do you know what he did? There was a downtime where they had to prepare their bodies for the moonwalk. He got permission. You know what he did in the downtime? He broke bread on the moon. First meal ever to be had was the Lord's Supper on the moon. It's incredible. You can do it anywhere. <laughs> You can do it on earth. You can do it on the moon. <laughs> and it still has the same power to conquer death, sin, and the grave. The blood of Jesus. So Jesus shed his blood. He paid the price for our sin. Where sin ruined us, Jesus' blood saved us. We're united with Jesus now. It's like the same blood is running through their veins. Your veins and my veins. If we're in Christ, has the blood of Jesus running through it. We're children of God now. We used to be of another bloodline, now we are Christ's bloodline. Satan can come and accuse us and says he's the accuser of the brethren, but we are of Christ's bloodline, we're children of God. We have peace with God. 
1 Corinthians 6 verse 17, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. Number six, the blood of Jesus brings us into God's presence. The blood of Jesus brings us into God's presence. There's no food, there's no exercise, there's no retreat. You can't walk up a mountain, go away for a few days to get into God's presence. But if you do go for a walk or a retreat, as soon as you're there, I wanna encourage you to thank Him that it's by your blood that I get into your presence. That's the only way. Ephesians 2 verse 13 says, 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you once were far away, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's what brought you near to God. Hebrews 10 verse 19, therefore brothers and sisters, since we have, uh, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. When Jesus' blood was shed, when He said it was finished, the veil in the temple was torn. The temple had two areas, for the normal people and then for the priest who made a sacrifice to go into the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn. He said, no longer will there be separation. You can come close to me. Why? Because my blood's just been shed. That's no longer the standard that you have to be some priest or do some ritual. It's only by the blood and you can come near to God confidently because of His blood. Number seven, final point. The blood of Jesus, and this is the most important point. The blood of Jesus overcomes the devil. The devil's got tactics. He wants to keep you in sin. He wants to conquer you in sin. His hold on you is sin. Even as you and I struggle with sin, He brings shame into our life. Shame will always cause us to not have intimacy. You'll see in your relationships, when there's shame, your intimacy will go. Even if you are being intimate with shame, it's not true intimacy. Satan's plan for you is to be isolated and not intimate with God and it's through sin and shame and he'll remind you all the time this is who you are he wants your identity to be wrapped up in your past but you are not your past you're a child of God by the blood of Jesus Christ what's crazy is even as he keeps you in shame he, he knows if he can keep you in shame and rob you of your potential you're about to step out boldly but you, you won't because you're not good enough because you're a sinner. He'll tell you that all the time. It'll keep you from even having a satisfying prayer life, shame. Because you think you can't pray. Who am I to pray? But, but, but God just wants you to call in His name. But Satan will say, no, you're not good enough to pray. Shame will keep you in that place. And like I said, shame will keep you in a place where you're not intimate with God. But in a moment, when you look up and say, I'm forgiven by Jesus, I accept your blood. In that moment, there's a blood transfusion that comes into your life and shame has to leave. That identity that Satan's trying to put in your life has no longer got any power. You're a child of God. And it's nothing that you've done, it's everything that He's done. You can't earn it, you just receive it. Jesus, I need the blood transfusion. I need to be touched by your blood. I need your blood to cover this stain. I've put other things, rituals and other things in the stain, but you know, it stayed there, but your blood will wash it white as snow. As if I've never sinned, I'll be justified by you. 
I've been covered by Jesus' blood. Devil, you have no power over me. Yes, I'm a sinner, but Jesus is the Savior and His blood has changed everything for me. It says, Satan's the accuser of the brethren. Revelations 12, 11 to 12 says, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, of course, Satan is thrown out, who accused them day and night before God. That's his tactics. If you are not in the blood, his gameplay with you is accusing you day and night. He's gonna do it all day, all night. He says, but they defeated him. Who's they? It's us. They defeated him through the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, will you, I receive your blood sacrifice. And through the word of their witness, they, they witnessed, they declared, I'm saved by the grace of God. Um, I've got a new bloodline. I've just had a blood transfusion. The blood of Christ has touched my life. The old is gone and the new has come. You might say I'm a sinner, you're right. But I'm declaring that Jesus is a Savior. I might make mistakes, but He sees me as a son. I'm no longer in the category of shame and just accusations. I'm in the category of being saved by the blood of Christ. I don't deserve it, you're right. But it's because of what Jesus has done. And that's the thing, salvation is for everyone. It's for everyone, no one's excluded. The biggest lie that Satan is trying to tell you right now is that you've been judged and you're excluded, but that's not the case. Jesus died just for you. You know, there was a criminal on the cross who would have been with the worst of the worst when Jesus went to the cross because crucifixion would have been the worst punishment. And he turns to Jesus and says, remember me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That guy didn't pay one tithe. <laughs> he didn't go to church once. He didn't even sing in worship. He did nothing. He just asked Jesus to forgive him. You're telling me now that you can't be forgiven? That's, a, that's the biggest lie. You're telling me that you got, that's like, that's life from the pit of hell. Jesus set a standard. He showed you even the worst of sinners can be forgiven by me in just a second. I don't care who you are, I can save you right now. So yes, everything was good. And then Adam messed up. Then Jesus turns it around. And then he pays our price he makes a payment in full. All his blood covered all sin that had been committed, that was being committed, that would ever be committed. Yes, the Bible says the wage of sin is death in Romans 6 verse 23. But, there's a but. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 19 verse 29 says, Jesus said, it is finished. That's what he said. The deal's been done. No longer do you have to even question if you can be saved. It's been done. Paid in full. It is finished. So what do you and I do? Romans 10 verse 13 says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. They'll be saved. 